We're going to be in Malachi chapter 4. You might say, where's Malachi? I don't blame you. It's kind of hard to find. It's a small little book of the Bible. But if you can find the book of Matthew, go to the left. It's the last book of the Old Testament. The book of Malachi, last book of the Old Testament. is a book right before Matthew. And after Malachi is written, the last prophet, there's 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence and then Jesus Christ shows up. So God didn't speak for 400 years before Christ showed up. Uh, and we're, we're waiting on 2,000 years for him to show back up. And uh, so and according to the Word of God, that's a long time, but according to the Word of God, that's only two days in God's eyes. He's only been gone a couple of days. But he's coming, and, and uh, he's been gone a couple of days, and if I've got Scripture right and I've got the timing right, uh, he's only going to be gone for two days and he'll come back. So uh, we're real close, real, real close. Now, uh, we're in Malachi chapter 4, verse, uh, verse 1. On Wednesday nights, I'm doing a study on making a stand with Jesus Christ. I encourage you, you can make it up here on Wednesday nights. We're doing a study on making a stand with Jesus Christ. We're going to give you the verses to help you make a stand with Jesus Christ, what to expect when you make a stand with Jesus Christ, how to make a stand, and how to handle when you get persecuted for making a stand with Jesus Christ. If you can't make it up here on Wednesday nights, I'm going to tell you this. I can't promise you the audio is going to work. If you stay home and say, well, I'll just watch it from home, I can't promise you that the audio is going to work. It's hit or miss. I don't know if the audio is working right now. It'll be after we're done. I'll get home and I'll see what people say. Sound's not working. Sound's not working. And I appreciate people letting me know. I just don't have anybody to help me out. And we're going to change that to where we have somebody who's monitoring the sound. So when the sound's not working, the old devil gets in there and messes with the sound. We can fix it or whatever. Man, the devil's in equipment like that. He's in a, the devil's in electronics in every way. In every stinking way, man. I remember, I remember Dr. Ruppman used to saying that, and I'm just think, I used to think, you're just an 80-year-old man, don't know anything about electronics. No, he knew exactly what he was talking about. The devil's in the electronics, and it's messed up in every way. Okay, I've been teaching or preaching on a series of sermons on Elijah. And the last time we heard from Elijah, he'd been carried up in a chariot of fire, he'd been carried up in front of Elisha, carried up into heaven, and praise God, that was a wonderful, great type of the rapture, great type of a lot of things. We're like, man, we're finally done with Elijah. Nope. <laughs> and I, I titled the name of this ser sermon, This Story's Not Done. This Story's Not Done. And uh, God's not done with you. And I don't know what chapter of your life you're going through, what storm, might, maybe the Lord's put you through some storm, or what chapter of life you're going through, but that chapter will end, and a new chapter will begin. And you might say, well, Brother Keegan, that chapter, what that was is my loved one died, or my loved one passed away. That chapter ended, and a new chapter begins. You got faith? This isn't the end of it, guys. Death is not the end of it. Amen. For a Christian or a lost man or woman. That's why the world gets it wrong, like, oh, we just die, and that's it. No, <laughs> I wish it was, but it's not. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you take your last breath, you're going to be carried down into a devil's hell, waiting for that great white throne judgment. And then you'll live for eternity after you're judged, and you will be judged, condemned. You're condemned already. You'll be judged. You'll be cast into the devil's hell, the Bible says, forever and ever and ever. Me and Brother Quig were talking about that this morning. How somebody who knows that can be so flippant about it. It's one thing for me to praise God for everlasting life. But if you don't have everlasting life, you have everlasting death. It, that's just what it is. So Elijah, Elijah shows you that this story's never done, guys. God's got a story to tell you. And listen, if God's telling a story and God loves to tell a good story, the Lord loves to tell a good story. 
And if he's telling a good story in your life, you just hang in there. He's going to keep on telling it. And, and it's, it's for sure, I've read the end of it. I've read the end of it right here. I've read the very end. I read the back of my Bible, believe it or not. And at the end of it, it's a happily ever after. It's a fairy tale story for Christians. For Christians. But I want to continue this study and this preaching on, um, on Elijah. I want to find out what happened with Elijah. What's going to happen with Elijah? Chapter 4, verse 1. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven. And all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up. Wow. Saith the Lord of hosts that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Going to burn them up. That day's coming. Verse 2. But unto you that fear my name shall the S-U-N, the Son of Righteousness, arise with healing in His wings. Woo! Somebody's going to get burned, but some, there's a Son of Righteousness rising with healing in His wings. Sounds like the old great phoenix is going to rise up. There's a phoenix rising up. He's going to burn some people, but some of us He's going to heal. That's healing for us. Some people, it's like a, it's like a burning. He's going to rise with healing in His wings. What's it going to be like for us? And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. What does that mean? You're going to be pampered. It's going to be like one of the Marwitz's goats. You're going to be pampered. You're going to be bottle fed. You're going to be loved on. You're probably going to be named. Amen. I can tell you right now, I'm a spoiled child of God. The Lord has pampered me, babied me, and the Bible says he's gave me a name I don't know yet. I just hope it isn't dingling or something like that when we get up to heaven. Hey, come here, dingling. No, okay. Whatever it is, Lord, you can call me whatever you want to call me. I know, okay. Just let me in, brother. Just let me in, Lord Jesus Christ. All right, verse 3. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes. Under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Woo. Sounds a lot like an atomic explosion. Sounds like somebody just, just annihilated. Boom. Pillar, a cloud. Turned into ashes. Zechariah 14, 12. If you want to see some more on that. Zechariah 14, 12. Verse 4. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant. Uh-oh. Underline that. There's Moses. Which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgment. Moses represents the law. Verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. Uh-oh. Elijah represents the prophet. The law and the prophets. Verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah. There he is. I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. This day he's been writing about, this day that we've been talking about, Elijah's going to come right before that day. Verse 6, And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Amen. Smite the earth with a curse. The very last verse, the very last word of the Old Testament is curse. It's a curse to you. And the very last words of the New Testament is come quickly. Lord Jesus, even so. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we know you're coming. And uh, Lord, we're looking forward to it, Lord. And I pray, Father, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that uh, they're not looking forward to it, Lord. They, they think they're, they're dreading it. They're, they're fearful. That their heart rises up in fear, Lord God. I pray, Father, you speak to the heart. Their heart, the truth, Lord God, that you love them, that you'll save them out of it. And they can be like calves raised in a stall, Lord God. They can be pampered and 
and, and, and cherished and named like you've done me, Lord. And uh, Father, that's nothing special I've done. I just put my faith in you and, uh, and in Jesus Christ. And Father, I just pray, Lord, as we go through the rest of this message, Lord, help us to understand Elijah and what you're doing, Lord. And some of these things that's happening with John the Baptist and uh, in the New Testament, Lord, I pray, Father, to give us wisdom through your Holy Spirit, Lord. But above all else, Father, we just thank you and praise you and give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. So you see here that the, the, the Elijah, we thought he was done. He's carried up in, in, in a chariot of fire. Bye-bye, Elijah. We'll see you. No, no, God's not done. And God's not done with a lot of you. Some of y'all might be saying, well, I'm getting older and late. I've retired. I'm getting older in age. God's about done with me. No, God's got a lot to do with you if you let him. I mean, he will. He is. He's going to. He wants to. You're, that's just another chapter. You say, well, I'm retired. I've, I've gotten getting up in age. That chapter's over, amen. Now a new chapter's begun. What's the scariest thing for me not, not being retired is talking to a bunch of y'all retired guys and how hard y'all work. Like, I come up to work. I come up here to church, and you're like, yeah, I was over here working on this, mending this fence, going and doing that. And I'm like, why don't you go fishing? <laughs> go, what are you doing? You know, like, I, I'm, I'm dreaming of fishing and thing. Y'all are working harder than me. I'm going to stay at work. I'm not going to retire. Elijah's coming back, though. And God says right there, he's going to come back for the dreadful day of the Lord. Now, turn back to Zechariah chapter 4. Please, turn back to Zechariah chapter 4. Now, Zechariah is the next the book before Malachi. Zechariah is a book before Malachi. Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 1. And we're going to find out some things here. So, he's coming. Do you know that the Jews still are looking for Elijah to come to this day? Israel, the Jews, when they do their Passover, which just happened not too long ago, when they do their Passover celebration, at a Jewish Passover celebration, the Sadar, they have a cup, an extra wine cup sitting on the table, and it's for Elijah. It's for Elijah. Because they know Elijah's going to come before their Messiah. The problem is, they don't think the Messiah's come yet. And he came in Jesus Christ. But one day, when Elijah comes, he's going to say, hey, Jesus Christ is the Messiah. That's what we just read, right? He's going to turn their hearts to the Lord. He's going to say, hey, Jesus was the Messiah. But to this day, they're still looking for Elijah. As a matter of fact, when they do that Passover, they'll send, sometimes they'll send the kids, go out there, look out the front door, and see if Elijah's coming. You see if you see Elijah. So a game they play with the kids. Elijah's still part of that because they know the Scripture. They know Jesus, Elijah must come before that dreadful day. He's going to come, and they're looking for him. So Zechariah chapter 4, verse, uh, yeah, let's start verse 1. Zechariah 4, 1. And the angel that talked with me came again, and waked me, and as a man that is wakened out of his sleep. And he said unto me, he said unto Zechariah, the angel said unto Zechariah, verse 2, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick all of gold with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon. And seven pipes to the seven lamps, which are upon the top thereof. He says he, see, he sees this candlestick, and he sees the seven lamps up there. Those seven lamps are, are described in Revelation 4. Seven lamps of fire before God's throne. Those seven lamps up there, which are upon the top thereof. But then he says in verse 3, And there's two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side of the bowl. So he sees this candlestick, and he sees these two olive trees next to this candlestick. That's what this vision is showing him. Verse 4, So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, uh, No, my Lord. He said, No, Lord, I, that's why I'm asking. I don't know what this is. He's, the angel's basically saying, You don't, uh, 
You don't understand what this is? Like, you big dummy? Well, you don't get this? No, Lord, that's why I'm asking. So skip down to verse 11, because the angel goes in and talks about Zerubbabel, and we'll say that for another time, but verse 11, skip down to verse 11. He's going to give him the answer. Then answered I and said unto him, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick and upon the left side thereof? And I answered again and said unto him, What be these two olive branches, which through the two golden pipes emptied the golden oil out of themselves? So now he's saying they're, they're olive trees. He calls them olive branches. Verse 13, And he answered me and said, The angel said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. He's like, No, that's why I'm asking. Verse 14, Then said he, These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Ooh. Who's the Lord of the whole earth? Well, that's Jesus Christ. Amen. That's Jesus Christ. Well, who are these two anointed ones? Well, turn to Matthew and we will find out. Matthew chapter 17. We're going to find out who are these two anointed ones that, that's, talk, that's prophesied in Zechariah. Matthew 17. Matthew chapter 17 verse 1. Well, let's find out. Who are these two anointed ones that stand by the candlestick? Well, it just named who the candlestick is. Who did it say the candlestick was? The Lord. So there's two anointed ones standing by the Lord of all the earth. And, of course, we know the Lord to be, the, be Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 17. Now, remember these chapter breaks were not in, in the Bible in the beginning. They added these in. I believe in these chapter breaks. I'm not trying to take the chapter breaks away. But you need to understand if, if you see that word, and after... Needs, that tells you, you need to go back probably, if you haven't been reading it and just picked up your Bible, you need to go back and read the verse before, verse 28 of 16. So look at chapter 16, verse 28, verse right before 17. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Wow. Jesus said, some of y'all are going to see me coming in my kingdom. Did they? Well, not necessarily, but they're going to right here. That, that's, what, that's why. And then it says, after this. And after this, six days, and after, excuse, excuse me, and after six days, what's after six days? Seven. Right? And, and Luke, it says about eight days. What's about, if it's after six and it's about eight, what is that? That's seven. That number seven. That's the way the Lord works. He won't just come out and say seven. He'll say after six. Or about eight, you know. Why is he doing that? Because you need to study to show that self-approved. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He wants you studying this thing. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, the chosen three, closest to Jesus Christ, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart. And Jesus was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, S-U-N, son of righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. Do you remember that? And his raiment was white as the light. It's like sunlight. Verse 3, And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. What? Uh-oh. Here we go. Elias is the Greek pronunciation of Elijah. Moses and Elijah. Remember Malachi chapter 4? Moses was mentioned. He said, remember Moses? And then he said, Elijah's going to come. Uh-oh. Moses and Elijah. And then he said, there's, two can there's a candlestick. He said, that candlestick's the Lord. That's Jesus Christ. And he says, those two olive branches, those two olive trees, those are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth, Jesus Christ. And here it is. He says, you're going to see me coming in my kingdom. And he's shining bright as the S-U-N, Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. 
And there's Moses on one side, and there's our boy Elijah. One of my favorite characters of the whole Bible. There's Elijah, representing the prophets. Moses represents the law. The law. Elijah represents the prophets. And behold, there appeared unto them, verse 3, Moses and Elias talking with him. They're talking to Jesus Christ. This isn't just an image of Elijah. This isn't just an image of Moses. They're talking. They're alive. Say, so, well, you know, it's like I was saying, my, my chapter's ended. You say, well, my, my, my loved one died. Yeah, that chapter ended, but the, a new chapter's begun. But you don't understand, brother. My, my loved one died. You don't understand. Jesus said, God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. You don't understand. They're not dead. This flesh is dead. This flesh is going to die. This flesh is going to go on the earth. The worms are going to eat this flesh, but your soul, what is you, is going to live forever. God is the God of the living. Moses and Elijah were talking with him. Verse 4, what happens? Well, here's when Peter messes up. That's why I love Peter so much. He messes up. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. He said, Lord, man, this is wonderful. He's seeing Jesus shining. He said, Lord, let's make a tabernacle. What does that say? That says, if you study Scripture, the Feast of Tabernacles is associated with the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's late September. Early October. So when it starts getting around September, October, me and my wife, we talk about this all the time. Like, man, the Lord might come back. The Lord might come back. Now, the rapture is associated with this time of year, right around the Passover. Holy Spirit was given at the Passover, and I believe the Holy Spirit's going to be took at the Passover, the church. <laughs> now, I don't know, but the truth is, there's a tabernacle associated with Jesus Christ's second coming. But he says, let's make one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias. Well, Peter messes up. Say, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Peter just loves Jesus. He's just trying to show glory to Jesus, to Peter, to Moses, and to Elijah. He's just trying to, yeah, that's where you messed up. Do you see what I just said? That's a complete nonsense. He wants to make one for thee. He wants to make one for Jesus, make one for Moses, and make one for Elias. He's got them on the same level. He's like a Catholic. I want to make a statue to Mary. I want to make a statue to Joseph. I want to make a statue to Jesus. I'm going to bow to Mary. I'm going to bow to Joseph. I'm going to bow to Jesus. I'm going to bow to the Pope. No, no, no. There's only one you need to bow to. Only one gets the glory. Only one deserves the glory. Only one's worth getting down on your knees for. And it isn't Mary, Joseph, the Pope, or any other man. It's Jesus Christ. It's the Lord God. And where he messes up is, he says, let's make one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. And while he yet spake, he didn't as much get that out of his mouth, God straightens them out. Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. God's going to straighten him out. And a voice out of, out of the cloud said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Don't you worry about making some tabernacle for Moses or Elijah or gets caught up in the law of Moses or the prophets of Elijah. You hear Jesus Christ. He's the Lord of all the earth, that candlestick. They're just the branches. You understand what that means? 
They're off of Him. They branch off of Him. He's flowing through them. The Holy Spirit's flowing through them. You're just branches. Jesus Christ is in you, flowing out of you. He's the vine. You're the branch. Hey, we're just nothing. We're just branches. He's it. He's a king in glory. And here Moses and Elijah show back up and they're talking to him and Peter messes up. The Lord straightens him out, verse 6, and when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. So many people, you hear them pop their mouth off. When I see God, I, I'll tell God, I'm going to tell God one thing. You know, if there really is a God, I, would, he can, I wish lightning would come down and do all that. And I mean, man, y'all are crazy. If God was to show up, you'd hit your face like, you, you're so stupid, you'd hit your face. You'd be so afraid. Everybody's afraid in front of God. People are afraid of angels, much less the Lord God. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were so afraid. And Jesus came, verse 7, and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. Don't be afraid, guys. Everything's okay. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. Elijah disappeared with Moses. What's the story on Moses? I don't want to go down this rabbit trail, but remember the story on Moses. Moses was buried by God. Remember? They didn't know where Moses was buried. God took Moses up the mountain and God buried him. And then we read in Jude that whenever that was happening, Michael the archangel had Moses' body and the devil came in to get Moses' body. Remember that? And then Michael the archangel and the devil were fighting over Moses' body and they're fighting over it. And Michael the archangel said to the devil, the Lord rebuked thee. He just would say, hey, the Lord, that's between you and the Lord. I'm doing what I'm told. And he's getting, why is he doing that? Because God has need of Moses' body. He has need of Elijah's body. He's right there. So here we go. This is confusing to the disciples. It might be confusing to you. It was confusing to me. So let's study it out. And at verse 9, as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them saying, Tell the vision. Tell a vision. Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. Don't wait till I'm risen. Then you tell this story. You know what Peter said about this story? Y'all got to get this. In, in, in 2 Peter, you know what Peter said? He's, he's speaking about this incident. He was talking about when this happened. You know what he said? He said, you have a more sure word of prophecy. He said, I was there. I seen God. I seen Jesus Christ. I seen him in his glory, Moses and Elijah. You have a more sure word of prophecy. When I first read that, I was like, no, 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 you're wrong, Peter. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I don't know if y'all like me, but I'll read that and like, no, no, Lord, that's not right. And Lord, you know, slap me around. Okay. Uh, meditate on that. Meditate on that. You walk out of here and it's like, you see, you see a cl this bright cloud. And, oh, I think that looks like Jesus and Moses and Elijah. And you hear a voice, hear ye him. You go and tell your wife. Your wife's like, you're crazy. You've been taking drugs. Somebody's drugged you. And before long, they'll have you convinced you were just out of your mind. Amen? But when you have it sitting in your lap, and you can read it, and you can study it, and you can meditate on it, and you can compare Scripture to Scripture, you've got a more sure word of prophecy because it's written down. 
you know what? These atheists, these non-believers, if you was to show them a vision like that, they'd say, you're trying to play a trick on me. You, with, a, with, with, with a video camera and, a, and the lights, and you were just playing, you know, just computer-generated graphics. They would come up with any excuse, but the truth is, yeah, that was Jesus Christ. So you have a more sure word of prophecy. But the problem is this, verse 10, And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must come first? Oh, good question. I thought Elias was supposed to come. I thought Elijah was supposed to come. That's a prophecy, Malachi chapter 4. And Jesus answered and said, verse 11, Unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias is come already. <laughs> like mind blown. Okay, Lord, you just said Elias is going to come. Now you say he's come already. What is going on here? That Elias has come already. And, and Jesus says, But I say unto you that Elijah, Elias has come already, and they knew, and they knew him not. But have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise also shall the, also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. Oh, here we go. So they're like, what's he talking about? Jesus just said, hey, Elijah did come. It's John the Baptist. And they did what they wanted to. What did they do to John the Baptist? They cut his head off. Now, now look at Luke chapter 1. Y'all follow with me. We're going to go to Luke chapter 1. We're... I'm going to show you this, what, these prophecies so you'll understand what's going on here. Maybe this will help you understand this a little better. Because you're like, I thought Elijah was supposed to come. Well, he did come. He already has come. But he is going to come, but he already did come. And you're like, that don't make any sense, Lord. It makes sense when you study it out. Luke chapter 1, verse 15. Now, this, is the, this is what the angel told Zacharias about John. You shall have a son in verse 13. His name will be John. Verse 15, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. He's a Nazarite. And many of the children of Israel shall, be shall he turn to the Lord their God. That's starting to sound like Malachi chapter 4. And he shall go forth before them in the spirit and power of Elias. There it is. So John the Baptist is prophesied by the angel to Zacharias to go in the spirit and power of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. So, uh, John the Baptist was Elijah. But he wasn't Elijah. He's come already. He's going to come. And he's come already. And they did what they wanted to with him. They cut his head off. They killed him. Turn to Matthew 11. And let me, I'll finish explaining what's going on here. So he is, John the Baptist is Elijah come in spirit and power. What God's doing is God's fulfilling scripture. God is fulfilling prophecy in two different ways. This is what makes God amazing, guys. God, our God is an amazing, incredible designer. He gives you amazing, he gives you the gift of free will, but then he can design and perform things in your life inside your free will and get what he wants done, done. We were talking about this, this brother, we were talking about this, about how God works. It. You, you, you think, okay, God's giving me a free will, but then how can God control my whole life? He doesn't control your whole life, but he wants things done, and when he's ready to get something done, it happens in a free will. Judas didn't have to portray Jesus Christ. But why, then why did Jesus pick Jesus, Judas? Jesus picked Judas because he knew he would. Foreknowledge always, foreknowledge always precedes predestination. Or election. In other words, Jesus chose Judas because he knew what Judas would do. Judas has got a free will. He didn't have to do it, but he did it. And Jesus knew he would do it. So he says, okay, I'm choosing you as one of my disciples. Matthew chapter 11. 
Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. All right, Jesus talking again about John the Baptist. Here we go. This will line it out. I think maybe this will help you understand it. Verse 11, 11, 11. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Man, that's, that's saying something. Notwithstanding, though, he is the least in the kingdom of heaven and greater than he. So anybody, any one of us that's going into the kingdom of heaven through Jesus Christ is greater than John the Baptist. Verse 12, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. There he is. Jesus is rightly dividing the word. And he's talking about it being from the, from the prophets to John. And the violent take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. So he breaks it out. He divides the word up. The law and the prophets until John. After John the Baptist, you got Jesus Christ and then you got a new covenant. Verse 14, and if you will, if ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. So here's the prophecy. The Messiah was to come. There was to come in on the donkey, lowly, come down. That's Zechariah. Here he comes. Here comes the, he's going to come. He's going to come to you. If they would have received Jesus Christ as the Messiah, if they would have received him as king, John the Baptist would have been Elijah. Because then Jesus Christ would have came, would have, all, that, all that's going to happen would have happened right there. The tribulation period, all that would have happened right there in the New Testament. Right there. Right with, it would have all happened right there. But they didn't do it. And God knew they wouldn't do it. Amen. And, he, and they rejected Jesus Christ as Messiah. So John the Baptist was there. So they can't say we didn't have a chance. They had a chance. John the Baptist would have been Elijah. He was supposed to be Elijah if they received him. They didn't receive him. Right? They rejected him. So now the kingdom is put off for 2,000 years. Guess what happens? We get in. Because <laughs> the Jew messes up. The, Jew, the Gentile comes in. The, the Gentile dogs that come in, they're like, Lord, we'll just take some of those crumbs off that table right there. And God says, they're still my chosen people. That land still belongs to them, but I'll throw you some of this. <laughs> Amen. That's what Revelation's all about. The Revelation's are not about me and you. The book of Revelation is about the Jew and God dealing with the Jew one last final time, getting it ready for his son Jesus Christ, who happens to be a Jew, to come rule this world. The world's going to be ruled by a Jew, the world likes it or not. I'm glad I'm friends with him. I'm glad I'm friends with him. So that's explaining what's going on. John the Baptist would have been if they'd received him as, as king. Of course, we know they didn't. God knew it. Remember foreknowledge? God's foreknowledge, he knows what's going to happen. His foreknowledge precedes all that. So he knew what was going to happen, but he had it there so the prophecy could be fulfilled. Their will, their will was there. See that verse, uh, verse 14, if ye will receive it. They, their will is there. They have a will. They can willfully do it. But they didn't. And God knew they wouldn't, but he has to give them free will to do it. And if, he, if they did it, there has to be an Elijah, and that Elijah would have been John the Baptist. Does that make sense? Some of y'all are looking at me like owls. <laughs> Think about it, meditate on it. Either way, God's got it all figured out. Even if you don't and I don't, God has it all figured out. Now let's go find out what happens to our good friend Elijah. Revelation chapter 11. Woo. Good chapter of the Bible. Revelation 11. We'll finish off here, guys. Revelation 11. Let's find out what happens to our good friend Elijah. Let's find out what happens to Elijah. 
Revelation chapter 11, verse 1. Let's go find out what happens to our good friend Elijah. This will be it. This will be it for Elijah. This is all I have on Elijah. The Lord hadn't given us anything else. This is it. This is the last of Elijah's story. Now, his story's not done with God. God's got a lot more. This is all we have out of the Word of God. But Revelation chapter 11, verse 1, And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. This is John. And the angel gives him a reed like a measuring stick. The angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. Brothers and sisters, a third temple must be rebuilt. There's got to be a third temple. Coco was in here, we were talking about that, her going to Israel and her being up there, getting close to be that, you know, the top of the thing, and, and we were talking about that. There has to be a temple built up there. There has to be. It's right there. The Jews got it all ready. <laughs> They're ready to put it up. The Muslims are not going to let them. But the Antichrist is going to come in and he's going to have a way to bring in peace. The Antichrist is going to help them build that third temple. It's got to be built, verse 2. But the court which is without the temple leave out. And measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. In the holy city shall they tread underfoot. How long? Forty and two months. That's three and a half years. Half of seven years. Verse 3. Here we go. And I will give power unto my two witnesses. Uh-oh. Two witnesses. And they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days. There's 360 days in a Jewish calendar. That, when you take that and divide it by, by that, by 1260, that's three and a half years. You got three and a half years again. They're gonna, these two witnesses are going to prophesize for two and a, three and a half years. Clothed in sackcloth. That's a sign of repentance. That's a sign of mourning. Sackcloth. They're not in suits and ties. They're in sackcloth. Verse 4. These are the two olive trees. Oh, hold on. We read that in Zechariah chapter 4. Why was it? Why, well, I, don't, I don't read the Old Testament. I only read the New Testament. Well, you're missing out. Because you can't understand what this is unless you have the Old Testament. These are the two olive trees. I've read that before. And the two candlesticks. Hey, 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 hey. That's starting to sound really familiar. Standing before the God of the earth. Oh. Zechariah said the Lord of the earth. And we know that Lord is Jesus Christ. We know that Moses and Elijah were standing with Jesus Christ. In Matthew 17. Verse 5. These two prophets say rise up. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth. Fire-breathing preachers. <laughs> they cut there. I hate you. I hate what you're saying. Whoosh. Fire. Like a fire-breathing preacher. I hate those hell and damnation preachers. Well, I like them. I like them. I'm like Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln says, I like to watch a preacher. It looks like he's trying to fend off bees. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of preaching I like. I like it that you know you, you, you're passionate about what you're preaching. You, you, you're, the Word of God is passionate. Man, the Word of God is amazing. Amen. Amen, it's amazing. It says their fire proceeded out their mouth and devoured their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. Fire-breathing preachers. Verse 6, These have power to shut heaven that reign not in the days of their prophecy. Oh, okay. There's two of these guys. One of them, says that they had the power to shut heaven off where it doesn't rain. Now, who did that? Elijah. James chapter 5. Elijah did that. And one of them has power over waters to turn them to blood. Now, who did that? Moses. You've been reading your Bible, right? I mean, this is not a secret. It doesn't name them as Elijah and Moses, guys, but Elijah must come before that dreadful day of the Lord 
And Moses is mentioned with him in, Re in Malachi chapter 4. Two witnesses are mentioned, Zechariah. Those two witnesses are standing with Jesus Christ in Matthew 17, named as Moses and Elijah. Revelation 11 says that these are two witnesses, these are two candlesticks, these are two olive trees. They're doing the same things, that, the same miracles that Elijah and Moses did. And then you have some scholars say, that's not Elijah and Moses. Ugh. Dumb. Dumb. Guys, if you got a commentary that doesn't make sense, just throw it in the trash. Read your Bible. See how I, I'm not opened up one commentary. I'm just showing you what the Word of God said, and we're just comparing Scripture with Scripture. It's right there. And they come to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. I mean, these guys are powerful. And they're preaching. And they're preaching about Jesus Christ. And they're prophesying. They're saying, God's about to come and set up his son Jesus Christ to rule as a king. They're doing this. And people come up there and try to get them and try to attack them. And just like Elijah was up on the mountain, those 50 captains came. With, I mean, with the captain of 50 men, God just said, if I, God, Elijah said, if I'm a man of God, let fire bring down from heaven. Oof, and shoo, just burned all those men up. That's what we're having here. Fire breathing. Don't want to mess with them. Verse 7, And when they shall have finished their testimony, underline that. Why did the Lord take my loved one? Why did the Lord take that pastor? Why did the Lord take that? He's, they were such godly people. When your testimony's done, it's done. The Lord said, okay, I'm done with you. I'm going to take you on home. That's not a bad thing, brothers and sisters. The Lord said, hey, come on home to heaven. Man, that's not a bad thing. Now we cry about it. Oh, God, he's so mean. He took them out of that. Man, God is graceful to let us go into heaven. Amen. That's how I look at it. Death is not the finality. It's just the end of a chapter. And it's a bad chapter if you're living on earth. Amen. And it's a really good chapter if that next chapter starts in heaven. We just got to remember that. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast, that's the Antichrist, that ascended out of the bottomless pit, shall make war against them, against Moses and Elijah, and shall overcome them and kill them. Pretty simple. They get killed. Well, that story's not done. I love this story. That story's not done, because keep reading. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom. You don't know what that's associated with. And Egypt, the world, where also our Lord was crucified. That's Jerusalem. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies. Now, for years, they would read that and say, well... It sounds like it's the whole world, but how could it be the whole world watching them? Well, we know that can be true today. You can pick up your phone right now and see what's going on in Israel in your, in your pocket. It's amazing. And it's a prophesied right there. And they're all watching these dead bodies three days and a half. They're laying in the street three and a half days. And shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. They won't let them be buried. They kill them. The Antichrist kills them. They're laying out there in the streets in, in Jerusalem. Everybody's celebrating, verse 10, and they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them. Oh, they're so excited that these fire-breathing, preaching dragon preachers, these, these preachers that are preaching hell and damnation, that they finally killed them. And they shall dwell upon the earth, shall rejoice over them, and make merry and send gifts, and shall send gifts. Merry Christmas. Make merry and shall send gifts. One to another. Because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. Amen. You know you're a torment to the ones that are around you that are lost. You're a torment to them. I don't mind being a torment. 
I want them to be so tormented they'll receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I want to make you uncomfortable because I want you up in heaven with me. But more importantly, the Lord wants you up in heaven with Him, Jesus Christ. All right, so let's read verse 11. Now, y'all probably know this story already, but this is when the Lord shows up. After three days, they're all celebrating. They're all drinking. They're getting drunk. They're having a big old party. They're having a big beer bash. They're dancing in the street. Oh, we got rid of, oh, the Antichrist. And he's so wonderful. We got rid of, oh. And you know that one of them didn't say, hey, hey, wait. I thought I saw his finger move. Nah, you're just drunk, man. No, nah, man, you're just drunk. You just, you've had too much to drink. No, no, no. And another one might say, hey, no, no, no. I, it looks like their color's changing. Their color, it's, no, that's just the way the satellite, the way the TV's hitting it when it's filming. That, there's nothing happening. Uh-huh, wait. What? Wait. Look at that. Look, look, look. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them and saw them. <laughs> and they're all, ah, 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 uh-oh. And here they come, Moses and Elijah. And if God's resurrected them, you know they have a glorious body. Three and a half days, you know those bodies were bloated. Flies. They probably were letting the ravens get on them, the, the, the buzzards and everything, pluck them and everything. And all of a sudden, God just says, no, these are my two witnesses. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, come up hither. I can't wait. I can't wait for the Lord to call my name and say, hey, Keegan, come on up here. Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud I like this, and their enemies beheld them. <laughs> God, if, you, if you've got enemies in here, in here, y'all, if y'all got enemies, God's going to do something great in your life where your enemies are going to have to behold it and they're not going to like it. God's like that. God likes to take you when your enemy's getting after you and doing something. God likes to do something really good for you and make your enemies have to watch it. God can be, God can have, God has a sense of humor too. You know, the Bible says that he'll look at his enemies and he'll laugh over them. They're screaming out in agony and pain and God's going, <laughs> just laughing at them. Like a kid over there, little kid swinging at God and he just has his hands out there, has his hands on the forehead, just laughing at him. That's our God. That's our God. Verse 13. In the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand, and the remnant was affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. Now they're going to give glory to God. A little late. A little late. It's going to be too late. You might as well give glory to God now and get saved than to wait to where all of a sudden you realize there's an absolutely no doubt. But I want to make sure, Pastor, that I have absolutely no doubt it'll be too late. You, gotta, you can't please God without faith. You've got to have faith. You've got to put it in Jesus Christ. And lastly, I want to show you this in closing. The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. Verse 15, and the seventh angel sounded, and there's great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever.
Amen. Every time Christmas rolls around, I get out the Hallelujah Choir uh, chorus uh, handles, and that's exactly what he, he, they sing this. And he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I just can't wait for the Lord to give me a voice so I can sing to him. Hallelujah. My Lord Jesus Christ is reigning over the whole earth. And guess what? We're friends with him. We're friends with him. Talking about friends in high places, that's one to have. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you and I love you, Lord. And I, Father, I just pray, Lord, if somebody doesn't know you truly, Lord God, as their Lord and Savior, Father, I pray, Lord, you speak their heart the truth, Lord. And Father, I want them saved, Lord, and they need to get saved, Father. And I pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit will work on them, Lord, that it's as simple as putting their faith in you and putting their faith in Jesus Christ and knowing they're a sinner, Lord God. And Knowing they need a Savior, Father. And they'll just get down on their knees and pray and ask you to save them, Lord. You'll save them. That's what you did with me, Lord. It's just that simple. And, Father, I just pray, Lord, that as we've studied and read through this, and this story of Elijah, Lord God, that you'll look at, we'll look at our own life and, and look at what you did with Elijah and know, Lord, that you're not done with us. You've got a story to tell, and you love to tell a good story. And no matter where you have us in this life, this is just a chapter, and that one day this chapter will end and a new chapter will begin, Lord. And I do thank you. That no matter what happens, that at the end, it's a happily ever after ending. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I pray all this in his precious name. Amen. All right, let's have an invitation, guys. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight... Do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, 
And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.